You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. Well, good morning, FMCC. How's it going? We just want to welcome you to Fort Myers Community Church. If it's your first time here, we want to say welcome as well. My name is Ben Zitlow, and I serve as a deacon here at FMCC, and most commonly, I'm the one behind the guitar who is singing. So can we hear it for Jameson? Just thank him for leading us in worship this morning. It's, uh, it's such a joy to sit under uh, someone else leading worship, and I just love the diversity and the uniqueness that God creates and instills in his people in the ways that they communicate, in the ways that they sing, and so really thankful for you, man. Thank you. Uh, if it's your first time here, you're stepping into a series that has uh, been taking place over the course of the summer. And this summer, we're in the book of Proverbs, and we're looking at the fear of the Lord, what it means to understand that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so the last couple of weeks, both Bill and Tim have been uh, leading us in a proper understanding of what it means to fear the Lord. And as we see in Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And today we get to look at a passage in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 and 12, and we're going to be focusing on the discipline of the Lord and how a proper understanding of the discipline of the Lord will actually bring us into a fuller understanding of what it means to be loved by God, actually be delighted in by God, and that the discipline of the Lord is for our good. So I'm going to read this with us this morning, the word of the Lord, and then I'm going to pray. So if you have a Bible, open it up to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11 and 12. If you don't have one, there should be some close to you under the chairs. Let's read the word of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11 and 12 says this. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves, as a father, the son in whom he delights. Let's pray together this morning. Heavenly Father, we come before you in humility and in reverence and in fear of you. Uh, It's you who has made us, you know us fully. And you love us fully. And as we'll see today, you delight in us, even through the discipline that you give us. So, Father, as we look for wisdom that's only found in the truths of your word, I pray that you would give us proper wisdom and understanding. We ask for wisdom. Uh, And this morning, Holy Spirit, as you dwell inside of me, I pray that you would be speaking in and through me clear to uh, hearts that are ready to uh, accept the discipline of the Lord, um, break down any misconceptions that we might have over despising the discipline of the Lord. I pray that you would give us a mind to understand that the discipline of the Lord is for our good, and as a father who disciplines his son in whom he loves, God, you love us, and you love us so well. So I ask this morning in Jesus' name that you would teach us and you would give us wisdom. Amen. All right, so as a thought experiment, I want you to think of a time in your life that you felt 
discipline. All right, not the discipline of the Lord. We'll get there in a little bit, but I want you to think of a time in your life that you were disciplined. And if you're younger, this might have been more fresh. If you're a parent, you can think of a time that you disciplined a uh, son or daughter. It may have been in the car on the way over here. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Right? But think of a time in your life in which you were disciplined. All right? Do you need a little bit of time? Are we there? Okay. I want you to think about the emotions that were brought up uh, in that memory, right? Some of them, if you're like me, uh, a lot of those memories of me being disciplined by my mom and dad are, there's a little bit of hesitancy, right? There's a little bit of uh, anger, a little bit of push against that discipline. When, if you're thinking about disciplining a son and daughter, maybe it's this one time that your kid just blew up in Walmart and had a a crazy tantrum, and you're like, what do I do? Do I let them scream? Do I take them to a bathroom? Do I put them back in the car? What do I do? So we're going to see today, when we're talking about discipline, that there's a way in which we view discipline, right? And Scripture is actually really clear and really relatable in the book of Hebrews, where we'll get to in a second, but I want to read a little bit of it for you right now. Hebrews 12, verse 11, the first part of it says this, For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. And all the people said, Amen, right? It does not feel that great to feel disciplined in the moment. A lot of us would describe those memories that we have as somewhat painful, right? If we feel the discipline of our parents, if we're disciplining our kids, It's not an enjoyable experience, right? But if you are mature in your growth as a human being, you can understand that that discipline, either that you received or that you gave, even though it's unpleasant, is ultimately for, it was for your good or it was for your your child's good, right? Do we get that? We understand it's painful rather than pleasant. But as humans, we really need to break down our hesitancy to accepting discipline because even earthly discipline can be for our good. And as we see today, the Lord's discipline is fully for our good, and we're going to unpack that today. Some some examples for me when I think about discipline and escaping discipline, I think going off to college, right? So I graduated college maybe five, six, seven years ago. It seems like a long time since then. Um, But I can remember leaving my parents' house and going off to college and thinking, freedom, right? Finally under, uh, away from the discipline of my parents, the instruction of my parents, right? And I think most people have a period of time in their life when when it's that way, right? You're like, I'm finally not going to be grounded for, you know, getting... Uh, a bad report card, or I'm finally not going to be sent to my room when I talk back against my parent, right? But all it takes is going to college and eating whatever you want and gaining the freshman 15 pounds or the freshman 20 pounds (laughs) to realize, okay, maybe a little self-discipline is actually a good thing, right? But we have this hesitancy. We have this resistance to discipline as human beings. And as we look back in that second part of of Hebrews, which we'll get to in just a second, 
that second part of the verse, if you know it, the first part, remember it said, for the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. What a beautiful phrase, right? Later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Right? Even earthly discipline is for our good. So the basis of this passage we're going to see here, we're really going to focus in on what it means to not despise the discipline of the Lord, we have to break down this idea that all discipline should be pushed away. And I, when I think particularly about my life, I think of an instance where I was disciplined. So I was not a particularly good student. <sighs> Unbelievable? No, it's very believable. I was not a particularly good student uh, probably all the way through school. I would say maybe middle school was like the pinnacle of my laziness. Uh, it's changed since then. I'm in school now, and I'm trying to get all my assignments in on time and everything. But when I was in middle school, I had a particularly poor grading quarter. It was really poor, if I'm, if I'm being honest, okay? And I slacked off, and I was lazy, and time and time again, my parents were like, hey, make sure you're doing your homework. Why do you have a zero? So and I was like, Mom, I want to play Xbox. No, but anyways, toward the end of that grading period, right, I knew it was coming. This was before, believe it or not, before like online grades were a thing. Now kids are just, man, they're like right under the thumb. It's like uploaded to the internet and the parent can check it right away. But back in the day, in the early 2000s, it's not so back in the day, right? I knew that this report card was going to get mailed to my house. So I'm like, great, I'm going to intercept that thing and I'm going to make sure that it disappears. And so... Like any normal-minded teenager, my report card came. I saw the letterhead, school district of Hillsborough County, and I was like, oh, man, i got to make this thing disappear. So I called up my friends in the mafia. No, I'm just kidding. So <laughs> I did what anybody would do. I got a water bottle, filled it up with boiling water to disintegrate it. This is really cunning, right? And I, I, I shoved the thing in there, I screwed on the cap of the water bottle, and I drove my bike to the end of my neighborhood, and I threw it into the forest, never to be seen again. Because I did all of that, right? That's one of my most shameful stories. Uh, I did all of that to prolong the pain that was going to come with the discipline that I knew waited on the other side of that, right? Does that make sense? Some of you are like, why, did, why didn't you just throw it away? Because they would have looked through the trash. No. Um, and so, ultimately, I didn't escape the discipline of my parents. I was grounded. Um, and for me, that story, what it reminds me of is, in terms of despising that discipline or resisting the discipline that I had from my parents, right? At the time... I was trying to resist it, but now I can see that the discipline that my parents had given me in terms of focusing on my schooling is actually for my good. But for some reason, I don't know why you would think of this, the 12-year-old me was, did not understand that at all. The 12-year-old me would rather have played Xbox than to study and get good grades, right? But here's the thing for me. Because my identity was secure as my parents' son, and not all of us have had this type of a relationship, but for me, my parents did a great job of bringing me up in the fear of the Lord. Because my identity was secure, 
I was never afraid that this bad report card was going to get me kicked out of the house. Like, I never feared that they would boot me out of the house or force me to change my last name or scratch my name off of my inheritance, right? Because I knew that my parents would be upset, but I wasn't expecting disownment, right? I wasn't expecting them to disown me because I knew how they loved me and I knew what they wanted for me. See, our identity in Jesus helps us not to despise the discipline of the Lord. Does that make sense? We'll unpack it here in a second, but when the author of Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11 says, my son, do not despise the discipline of the Lord, the whole focal point of this is our identity in Jesus. And this is really important because even though it might be painful at times, right? At the time, it's more painful than pleasant. We can all agree with that. Even though it's painful at times, the discipline of the Lord is for my good, and it shows me that he is in love with me, and he delights in me. So I'm going to unpack this a little bit and just focus in on um, what it means to not despise the discipline of the Lord. We're going to flip to a, a passage of Scripture in the book of Hebrews, which is in the New Testament. So if you want to flip there with your Bible, the reference is on the screen, but I want you to read this in your Bible. There's some on the chairs if you need it. This passage in Hebrews chapter 12, it's going to start in verse 5. This is actually quoted from Proverbs. So what we're reading here is the New Testament translation that the author of Hebrews is quoting and then teaching a little bit on it. So we're talking about this same passage of Scripture in Proverbs, but we see it in Hebrews. So flip with me there. We're going to read this, and we're going to see if there's anything applicable to us in our season of life. I'm going to think that there probably is. There's some for me. So I'm going to go through and read this passage for us. It starts in Hebrews chapter 12. Um, we're going to start at the halfway point of verse 5. It says this. It might sound familiar. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises, remember that word, chastises every son in whom he receives. And then here's the explanation that we see in Hebrews. Read verse 7 with me. <clears throat> Excuse me. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, then you are, sorry, if you are left, out with, if you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Verse 9. Besides this, we have all had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he, God, disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Two observations that we see from here, that we see in Hebrews and we also see in Proverbs, two reasons why we should not despise the discipline of the Lord, why we should take the author of Proverbs' advice and not despise the discipline of the Lord. And the first thing is, the discipline of the Lord is for my good. 
I shouldn't despise things that are good for me, right? Why would we despise something that's good for us? Hebrews 12.10 says that we may share his holiness. He disciplines us that we may share in his holiness or grow in his holiness. If you've heard of the word sanctification, kind of a Christianese word, if you've heard of this word, that's what it means. Sanctification means to grow in holiness. And so if I desire to be holy, which I do, I'm not at all a fan of my sin, right? I despise my sin. If I desire to be holy, Hebrews is telling me, Proverbs is telling me that the Lord disciplines me, that I might share in his holiness. That's a good thing, right? Think of a kid in a candy shop, right? Very much like the college student eating whatever they want out from the discipline of their parents. We can all think of a kid in a candy shop making the decisions for themselves that we understand without discipline will fall. So even though it's painful at times, the promise beyond that pain, that it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness, should be enough for me to trust that God's ways are higher than my ways. And that his desires should be my desires. And that his discipline should be accepted. It's something that I should rejoice in. I shouldn't despise something that's good for me. But we have a propensity. Human beings have a very, or maybe it's just me. You could <laughs> see if you relate to this. We have a hard time seeing past now into our future, right? And the growth process along the way is what we call maturity. And I'm somewhere along the way. I don't know. Sometimes I describe to people I feel like I'm in an awkward teenage season of my walk with Jesus where I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Like, oh, wait, you know? Um, but through maturity, we actually understand that this might not feel great in the moment, but it's going to yield what I want, right? Exercising. I run 45 minutes on the treadmill, not because I can feel sore after, but because I won't gain the dad 15, which has probably already happened, right? So we should understand this and know as we look in Hebrews, as we look in Proverbs, that the discipline of the Lord shouldn't be despised because it's for our good. Hebrews says that we can share in the holiness of God when we are disciplined by him. And a lot of people would describe that as the conviction of the Holy Spirit, right? So if you're a believer today and you believe what the Bible says, the Holy Spirit dwells within you and corrects you as you fail and as you sin, which is a part of life. And if you feel that conviction, this is in one way that the Lord disciplines us and we should know that that conviction leads us to holiness when we are obedient to that command that we feel from the Holy Spirit. So even though we might not like it, Hebrews tells us that our discipline is for our good. The discipline of the Lord leads to us sharing in his holiness. And so we should desire that. So that's the first thing. <clears throat> the second thing that we see in Hebrews as well as in Proverbs is that the discipline of the Lord is only for those whom he loves. Let's go back. Let's look at, we'll look at where Proverbs is quoted in Hebrews. We'll read the whole thing, 5b and 6. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary. The word weary just means tired, exhausted, right? Don't be tired, don't be exhausted when corrected or reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. The one he loves. If we go back to Proverbs, I love the way that Proverbs says this. 
the Lord reproves or corrects him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. We are loved by a God who disciplines us. In the same way that for me, in my upbringing, I recognized and realized that even though it was painful at times, I knew my parents loved me when they were disciplining me, and I threw that report card into the woods, right? I still got the discipline, but I was not fearful that I was going to be rejected by them because I knew that they loved me. And if you're a parent, you get this. If you're a parent, this makes total sense to us, right? Because I wouldn't discipline my son if I didn't care anything about how he grew up, right? If he's disrespecting his mom, if he's eating horribly, if he is treating his brother with disrespect, and I, had, and I didn't discipline him, probably a lot of the world would look at me and be like, you're kind of missing the, missing the mark here, dude, right? I'd probably not be that great of a father, right? Kids don't see it that way. <laughs> they would rather avoid the discipline, right? But for us as parents, if you're a parent in this place, you understand this wholeheartedly, that the reason you correct and you discipline your children is for their good because they might not see it at that point, right? And that comes from a point of love. He loves us, so he disciplines us. And this is the crazy thing that we're going to spend the rest of the time trying to kind of unpack. And I would love it, if nothing else, for us all to leave with this uh, understanding from here on out. And this is one of the reasons that I love that Jameson's saying nothing but the blood at that very end there, because this is really where we find our identity that allows us to not despise, right? To God... And this is where earthly discipline and heavenly discipline separate. Because even in Hebrews, it says, they disciplined us, our earthly fathers, for they, in verse 10, for they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for his, for our good. So there's a contrast here with worldly discipline and, and the Lord's discipline. To God, both love and discipline are linked. They can't be separated, right? The Lord reproves him whom he loves. And this is the crazy part. Even more than that, right, love and discipline are, are, uh, are linked. He delights in us. This is foreign to me as a dad, right? Okay, so my, my kids are cranky and frustrated and whining in the car. And uh, when I'm disciplining them from the front seat and like, hey, hey, right, doing that, I've got the dad neck crank because I keep turning back, right? As I'm disciplining in that moment, it's love, right? There's love there. There's very little delighting. <laughs> There's often not a lot of rejoicing when my child is acting inappropriately, right? If, I'm, if, I'm, if the Spirit is moving in me and I'm feeling very connected to the Holy Spirit in that moment, there may be a little bit, I might be able to, the Lord might be gracious to me and give me a little of rejoicing, but this idea that when I'm disciplined by the Lord, He loves me and delights in me, that's where it changes for me. That's where the shift happens, and I'm like, this is not the way that I discipline. It's the way I desire to discipline my son, but this isn't the way that I do it. How does He delight in me, Right? Even though we all have experience with earthly discipline, we can't make the mistake of fully equating, fully equating earthly discipline with the discipline of the Lord. 
And we do this a lot of the time, right? We have an earthly father. We have a heavenly father. We're disciplined by our parents. We're disciplined by the Lord. And so there's reason to, to look at those things and see how are these two things linked. But here, we can't fully equate that. And this is why. Try to get this. So God's steadfast love, his unending love, and his delight in me, in you, as a son and a daughter, is not absent in discipline. His love and delight in me and in you as a son and a daughter is not absent in discipline. And for some of us, this is foreign because some of us, if we didn't grow up in a godly household, if we grew up where discipline meant uh, getting a beating, if we were verbally abused, if we were physically abused, this is completely foreign to us because we feel as though when we received the discipline of our Father, there was no love there, right? This could be the reality for some of you. But for God, his steadfast love and delight in me and in you is not absent when we're in need of discipline. Let that sink in, right? My heavenly Father's delight in me is present alongside his discipline. Through the work of Jesus, he loves and delights in me all the time. That's counterintuitive, is it not? And that's not something that we should despise so much, right? Why? Why would we despise that? I want you to turn to the book of Isaiah. We're going to finish here looking at our identity in Christ. So turn with me to Isaiah 53. And while you're turning there, I just want you to chew on this one thought here. Okay, The two blessings that we saw in Proverbs, in Hebrews, the two blessings that we saw here, that the discipline of the Lord is for my good, right? Through it, I share in his holiness. He disciplines the one whom he loves. Those two big thoughts, and those are blessings, right? For us, if you're a believer here today, you desire to grow in holiness. You should desire to be loved by God. He promises us those two things if we do not despise his discipline. Those two huge blessings are dependent upon us accepting the discipline of the Lord. And I would argue that accepting the discipline of the Lord is based upon a proper understanding of our relationship with God. Does that make sense? Because my identity was secure in my parents' discipline, I wasn't fearful of getting kicked out of the house. If our identity is misconstrued of who God is and how he loves us, there should be no surprise that we'll push against his discipline. So let's look at who God has made us in Christ Jesus. Turn to Isaiah 53, starting in verse 3. Let's look at the work of Jesus. Verse 3 in Isaiah, and this is a prophecy of, of the Messiah of Jesus in the Old Testament. He was despised. Isn't that interesting, right? We see the same words as we see harmony in Scripture. He was despised. This is Jesus. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, as, and as one from whom men hid their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. And here's where we're going to focus in on. 
This is your identity if you are in Christ. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him, Jesus, was the chastisement. Remember that word from Hebrews? Upon Jesus was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. See, if you are in Christ Jesus, you are at peace with God. This is what it tells us in Isaiah, that the work of Christ, he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him, upon Jesus, was the chastisement, the discipline that brought us what? Peace. And with his wounds we are healed. So if you are a believer here today, if you are in Christ Jesus, if Christ's work is, ato- is the atoning blood for you, which is true for you if you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, you are completely at peace with God. Completely at peace with God. God is fully pleased. This is crazy. God is fully pleased. There is no condemnation. All in love. Fully delighting you if you are in Christ. This is the gospel, right? But God chose his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. We are at peace with God in Christ Jesus. Through the work that he has done for us on the cross, we are at peace with him. Does that make sense? Okay, follow me here. Why should we despise the discipline of a God who's fully at peace with us? There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you are in Christ Jesus today, when the Lord disciplines you, he's disciplined you in love and in joy, in delight. How can he love and delight me while he's disciplining us? You are fully at peace with him because of Christ Jesus. Praise God, amen? When we understand the work of Christ, if we place our identity fully in him, we can truly see that God's discipline is for our good. And we can see why he would, as scripture says, loves the one he reproves and delights in us. Because in my sinfulness, it's hard for me to delight in my son if I'm disciplining them. But the way that God works somehow in a holy way, which his ways are higher than ours, so there are some things that we can't comprehend when we equate it with the way that we discipline, right? In some way, God both loves us fully while knowing us fully and delights in us through his discipline. How? Jesus. This is the only identity that we can have and, and not despise the discipline of the Lord, right? So our response today, you're in one of three camps. This is where I'm going to tell you you're in one of three realities. You can argue with me, but you're in one of three realities, okay? First reality is you don't despise the discipline of the Lord. Your identity is in Jesus. If that's you, rejoice. We have, we have ample cause to rejoice in Christ for the work that he has done so that we can be disciplined by the Lord and grow in holiness and be loved by God, right? If that's your identity, rejoice. Be encouraged. 
The second reality is you do despise, right? From what the instruction that Proverbs is giving us, maybe you don't connect with that. I, at times, don't connect with that, right? In some moments, I experience the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and I'm like, eh, doesn't, doesn't feel great right now, right? If you're despising the discipline of the Lord, where is your identity? Because for me, this is where it is oftentimes. Oftentimes, my identity is more in myself than in Jesus. My trying to white-knuckle sin and do it on my own is there's more of that than there is dependence on the Holy Spirit, right? Can any, anyone relate to that? If, and if that's the case, when I feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, I'm disappointed. Disappointed in myself. And oftentimes, we feel condemned, but it's a self-condemnation, right? Because if, if my identity is partially or fully in myself to be holy, which I can't do apart from Jesus, then I will condemn myself, right? I will self-condemn, and I'll feel disappointed in myself, and I will despise, I'll push against and reject the discipline of the Lord, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. If my identity is fully in Christ, I know that that, that discipline is not a condemning discipline. I know that that discipline is leading to my holiness, and there's no despising there. So if you do despise the discipline of the Lord, repent. Reflect, right? Where is your strength right now? Are you trying to muster up your own strength and just take on and battle your, uh, this holy battle of sin and righteousness on your own? That's not the gospel. Jesus died for you while you were a sinner. Trust in him and in him alone. He is our only righteousness, right? And then there's a third reality, and this is probably the scariest reality, and some of you may be in this uh, camp as well. But the third reality is that you don't know what I'm talking about when I say don't despise the discipline of the Lord, right? You may have never felt the discipline of the Lord. You may have never felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit and if that's your reality today, you may not have the Holy Spirit indwelling within you. And that's something that you need to sit and think. And if that's your reality, like know this, there is a God who made you. He formed you in your mother's womb. He knows you fully. He knows the thoughts that we think before we speak them. He gives us breath. Created you, he knows you, and he loves you only through Jesus. So if you've never felt the discipline of the Lord, accept the gospel, embrace the gospel, that while you were dead in your sin, Christ died for you and made you alive with God. And you can not despise the discipline of the Lord and grow in holiness and know that God loves you and he delights in you. So our response today is, is to really reflect. Think to yourself, where am I? Do I despise the discipline of the Lord? As it says in Proverbs, don't do it. How do I not do that? The only way we cannot despise the discipline of the Lord is be fully focused on Jesus as our one and only identity. That he took the discipline. He took the condemnation. He bore the wrath so that you and I can be at peace with him. Sit and reflect upon that today. Because I can tell you this, there is so much joy in accepting the discipline of the Lord and living in a reality in which 
You are at peace with a holy, powerful, fearful, and loving God. There is an immense joy that exists in that reality. And that reality only comes from our feet planted firmly on the rock of Christ. Any other reality will lead to self-condemnation or fear of God or rejecting of his discipline, and it's a good thing. It shows us he loves us, it shows us he delights in us, and it helps us become more like him. Can I pray for us? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for all that you've done for us. We thank you that you have borne our griefs. We thank you that you have carried our sorrows. We thank you that you were pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities, and that upon you was the chastisement that brought us peace with God. We thank you that through you, Jesus, we can be at peace with God, and living in in light of this reality can allow us to dwell secure in you without despising the discipline of the Lord, which is a good thing and leads to our wholeness. Father, we thank you for your love and for your delighting in us that in some way only you can understand that you rejoice in your children and you love your children as you discipline them. So we thank you, God, for your mercy and your grace that would look upon sinners like us and that would see nothing but Christ's righteousness and, his, and just be overjoyed. So through that rejoicing, God, we rejoice with you and we rejoice in Christ, our only hope in life and death. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Holy Spirit, without you, we are on a journey that leads to self-condemnation, that leads to destruction, And so, Spirit, we pray that you would inhabit the people that you have redeemed through the work of Jesus and that you would cause growth in this church, in this city, in this nation, in the world for the glory of God alone. Holy Spirit, bring forth in us a season of life in which we accept the discipline of the Lord. Allow us to trust fully in Christ alone and allow us to glorify the one true God who loves us and made a way for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.